Hello, and welcome to the Take is Directed podcast. I'm Steve Morrison, Senior Vice President and Director of the CSIS Global Health Policy Center. Today we will hear part one of a two-part conversation with Dr. Robert Redfield, Director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This episode will focus on the CDC's role in the continuing polio endgame. Dr. Redfield will share what he believes to be the CDC's most significant contributions to this important global effort. Dr. Redfield, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. What is it that has motivated CDC to become a core partner in eradicating polio over the years? And what have been the CDC's major contributions? Well, the fight against polio has been part of CDC's mission since the 1950s. Reflecting back then, polio then crippled greater than 35,000 people in the United States every year. It was actually one of the most feared diseases of the 21st century. Mothers would be fearful when they found that their children came back from swimming in the river or pond. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of us remember iron lungs and leg braces. Shortly after the creation of CDC, the National Polio Surveillance Unit was established at CDC by uh, uh, Alex Landmere, who actually was the founder of the CDC's Epidemiological Intelligence Service. CDC had the uh, opportunity to work with both Dr. Jonas Salk and development of the inactivated vaccine back in the early 50s and Albert Sabin with the live oral polio vaccine in the, in the 1960s uh, and was a part of uh, operationalizing a number of those large vaccine trials as well as analyzing the data. In 1979, the United States almost 40 years ago, actually succeeded in eliminating polio. From my perspective, uh, it really was the Rotary International Group that really was the first, in my view, to propose the concept of actually eradicating Mm -hmm. polio. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always say they somehow saw the possible and then led their own organization, nation, and ultimately the world to develop a comprehensive eradication program. Uh, The World Health Assembly adopted the resolution in 1988 for the world wide eradication of polio, and at that time, uh, CDC was able to join uh, WHO, UNICEF, and Rotary International into uh, becoming part of the Global Health Eradication Initiative, uh, which uh, continues to this day. CDC continues to be an important partner in that. 2012, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation joined that leadership Mm -hmm. group. And uh, today we're on the verge of polio eradication worldwide. 18 cases so far, largely in two countries. Uh, uh, Afghanistan, 14 cases, four cases in Pakistan. Still environmental samples with wild-type polio in both of those countries. Northern Nigeria is still concerned because mm-hmm. last case was uh, in April, uh, August of 2016, and the last environmental sample was in September of that year, but there's a large number of children that uh, eradication programs haven't had access to in northern Nigeria, so it's uncertain whether uh, there's still potential polio in that area. Uh, But clearly, uh, uh, having gone from literally hundreds of thousands of cases per year in the 80 now down to uh, less than 20 is an enormous accomplishment. But there's complexity as we go what I call the sort of the last the last mile. I right. mean, the ability to, to bring this home. We're on the verge of eradication, but we still really do have a lot of work to get over the goal line, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. Why don't you say a bit about the complexities of the endgame? For folks who aren't experts in this, it's difficult to understand what the endgame means 
and what it's going to take to reach a resolution of this complicated set of challenges. Well, first, I think it's important to just emphasize when the world community, public health community, says we're going to eradicate polio, uh, that we got to stay in the game until we eradicate polio. And so what does the end game mean? The first thing it means is that we have to uh, ensure that there's no more transmission of wild-type polio. Right now, I mentioned, as we sit here today, there's been 18 cases this year. In addition, we need to know that there's no more wild-type polio in the environment. So we have a number of environmental samples, both in Pakistan and in Afghanistan, that uh, wild-type polio has been identified in the, in the uh, sewage samples that have been collected. So wild-type polio is still here. So step one is we got to eliminate wild-type polio as cases of uh, acute flaccid paralysis. And number two is we have to see the wild-type polio virus uh, be eliminated from the environment. The second part is for many, many years now, we've used a, a live polio um, virus vaccine that had multiple different serotypes uh, for polio. Um, over more recent years, it's been um, that two of the serotypes were used in the vaccine. Uh, and so what's been happening is some of the vaccine variants can get into the environment, and those uh, vaccine variants can mutate. mutate, and we can actually get what we call polio vaccine-derived cases. And right now there's five countries that have outbreaks of actually polio from a variant from the vaccine. So to get through the end game, we have to eliminate that. I do think one of the greatest challenges and one of the things CDC is committed to the end, we're committed to eradication, once you see the end of clinical polio, a lot of people are going to think we won the game. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do is see the end of polio virus in sewage, in the environment. And I think that's going to require a substantial investment, which, again, maintaining the uh, momentum that at a time when we have other serious illnesses like measles affecting people's lives, pneumococcal, meningococcus, uh, staying focused and making sure we get over the goal line. So the next goal line is the eradication of the polio vaccine virus variants from the, both cases and then the environment. And in the process of doing that, when the wild-type polio cases stop, and when uh, what will happen is there'll be a transition from the live virus vaccine that was made by Sabin initially to the killed virus vaccine that was made by Salk. That vaccine's gonna have to be deployed to the global population, all right, until the environmental sampling of the variants now is no longer there. So, you know, the current uh, organizations use the idea of certifying this to be polio wild-type free if there's no new cases in three years. Uh, and we need no new environmental samples for three years. So you know we're not quite there because I just told you we had 18 cases and we have multiple samples. The next step is we have to have no new cases of polio variant polio. And then we have to have no new environmental samples of polio variant virus. So my sense is we're really looking at probably another 
seven, ten years of hard work to accomplish what we set out to do, and that is to eradicate polio. So the final step will be the ability then to pull back the polio vaccine, no longer require it because polio is eradicated. You know, I'd love to see the world certified as polio-free uh, from cases and, and wild-type uh, um, uh, sewage, environmental sampling on my watch. Uh, it's very clear, though, to get that transition all the way to the point where we can get into eliminating the polio vaccine. It's going to be a long 10 miles, but it's something I think it's so important, having made the commitment to do it. You know, the last illness that we eradicated as a world public health community was smallpox, and that was basically back in the 70s. Uh, you know, we have a number of other candidates we'd like to eliminate, but we ought to focus on eliminating the one we pledged to eliminate back in the, in the w World Health Organization in 1988 and get that eliminated. It probably will take until close to, you know, who knows, 2025, 2028 to get the whole thing done. But I don't think a lot of people, and it's an important question you raise, I don't think people realize the complexity of getting to the end game. One thing I can say, CDC is committed to the end game. And much of that end game is not going to be glorious work. It's going to be studying sewage for poliovirus. It sounds like you're quite optimistic that this effort can be sustained. The U.S. support for the Global Polio Eradication Initiative has been very generous. Rotary International is very important in mobilizing an American constituency, and finance and Congress on a bipartisan basis has been very supportive. Does this leave you to feel optimistic about sustaining the political and financial commitments on our side, or are you concerned? No, I'm confident. Mm -hmm. I'm confident that the United States will stay focused on the goal line, all right? And, and I think it's important that um, our other partners also stay focused on the goal line mm -hmm. because there are competing challenges, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. whether it's the, the World Health Organization or, or whether it's our key partners with the Gates Foundation and UNICEF. Obviously, when you see childhood mortality from measles and pneumococcus and meningococcus, I do think it's going to you know, take compelling uh, focus to say, no, we still need to spend the money to do sewage evaluation to make sure we're really going to win this game. But uh, you know, as long as I'm alive, independent of what capacity I have, I'm going to continue to articulate that we owe it to the future the future of what will be a series of diseases that the world will eliminate to eradicate polio because we said we were going to eradicate polio and get the job done. So yeah, I'm very optimistic. The Global Polio Eradication Initiative over the last several decades has generated quite a few very valuable assets in terms of infrastructure. It's enhanced the capacity for global immunization. It's promoted health security. So as we get to the end game, as you've described it, there's the outstanding question, what happens to these assets? What should the strategy be for ensuring that these assets are preserved and sustained? Yeah, I think that's a really important question. Enormous amount of effort's gone in since the 80s to build this capacity to get where we are towards the end game for polio. And this is a very important public health infrastructure that we have. Uh, it obviously can have a major role as we go on to increasing generalized immunization against preventable diseases that we talk about. It obviously can be a, a springboard for the next 
global initiative to eradicate disease. Yeah. The only concern that I have is not to spring into other programs too aggressively until we finish this mission. Um, but I think it's very important foundation for future globally committed targets to improve health. Clearly now it's an important instrument to exploit just for childhood immunization in general and get our immunization rates up as high as we can. But it also is going to be a very critical foundation for the next major initiative, whether whether it turns out to be measles or whether it turns out to be pneumococcus or whether it turns out to be meningococcus. You know, I think there's a large number uh, individuals will decide what that initiative should be, whether it's tuberculosis. Um, but again, what I try to say is let's not jump away from the need to stay focused on bringing polio to an end. Uh, um, clearly, you can add on childhood immunization and improve that at the same time and not I think distract from the goal line of eradicating polio. But I think it would be premature to say, okay, now we're going to now eradicate something else and something else and something else until we get the focus. Uh, there will be tension because the amount of money that it's going to cost to get over the end game is still substantial. But I'm confident the, the, the world's not going to walk away when we're so close to eradicating polio. This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please stay tuned for the next portion of our interview with Dr. Redfield, in which we talk about what he calls, quote-unquote, the public health crisis of our time, the opioid epidemic. We invite you to subscribe to Take Us Directed so that you never miss our latest content. For more information about upcoming events and recent publications, please visit the CSIS.org Global Health Policy Center program page. <laughs>